Welcome to another episode of Beyond Diagnosis. If you've ever been curious about how science and spirit can work for a deeper insight into your health, then this episode is for you. Hello and welcome to Beyond Diagnosis, a podcast to raise your awareness, decisions and voice for alternative practices so you can take back control of your health. I'm Rita DeMichelle, your host, a mindset and empowerment coach and the founder of the Onus platform. Join me each week so you can create the health of your dreams. Michelle Aspenmore is a medical intuitive and the body whisperer channeling for her clients' health results. Using both science and spirit to heal and shift women's health, especially beyond 40. Michelle works with women worldwide to cultivate their expansive energy with their biological functions going well beyond the typical allopathic model. She believes how uh, how a woman thinks, supports and nourishes her body, activates her to be the most magnetic and vibrant being her whole life. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much, Rita. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so great to have you. And it's great to have someone on that is going to really spark a lot of curiosity in our listeners about what this is. So you have a very unique approach to helping your clients. And I really think there's a bit to unpack here for our listeners to really understand what is it that you do. Um, They want to understand, you know, what is a medical intuitive and a body whisperer? Let's start there. Okay, let's start there. So a medical intuitive is somebody who, well, let's, let's start here. Actually, what I believe a medical intuitive is, is somebody who understands a little bit about either the physiology or something that we can hold scientifically or test or measure scientifically. And then the intuitive aspect. So the medical, that's the medical aspect. And then you add the intuitive aspect, which is in, in my case and how I interpret my abilities and how I work is that I can also read the energy of a situation or of a person or even of a particular organ or system within the body. So I combine both my knowledge in traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, typical physiology of how, for example, the endocrine system, all of our hormones, what how they regulate. I combine that with the way that someone's body is speaking to me or what the energy is showing me when I read someone's energy. Right, right. And I like that because as that was actually going to be part of my next question is for most people, their understanding is that science is measurable. They There's data, it's measurable. They want to see a result. And then you have intuition, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, relies more on a sense, a feeling, a knowing. So that's what my question was going to be. How do you personally marry the two effectively in your work? So interestingly, yes, science can be measured and can be quantified in some degree, but I also find science to be cumulative. So if you think about 
the medical system, which essentially was created around 200 years ago, as we know it today, a little bit less than 200 years ago, it's like 150. That's what we really think of as the medical profession of using scientific, the scientific method to ask questions and then answer those questions. The, the way that I really feel that I find what's interesting about mm. science is that it's, as I said, it's cumulative. So what we think of as science 10 years ago has been updated and new findings have been found. For example, the microbiome, epigenetics. Yes. These are all things that didn't exist 20 years ago. They have been discovered. And it's like it, great works of art. You know, in the 1500s, we had the Dutch masters who were painting people uh, to, to almost bounce off the page, right? Off the painting. And now we're, we have artists who paint people in all different sizes and shapes, whether it be realistic or something abstract. So in, in a sense, what I do is very much what the, what the new artists do is we take the old science and then we also understand from ancient practices of understanding energy. So we use energy with science, which is cumulative. It builds on itself. And so does energy, right? Because energy can't be created or destroyed. So in essence, when you work with someone's energy, you're working with their energy from everything behind and everything that is imaginable. And you use that with beliefs and thoughts and conditioning and practices and rituals of that person. And that's how you come up with or understand their constitution is what I call it. Right. Amazing. And for people that don't know, what do you mean by, what do you mean by somebody's energy and how do you tap into someone's energy? So I never tap into someone's energy without permission, first and foremost. And our energy is the vibration that's created based on how we think, how we believe, how we feel, how our different systems are working in harmony or not in harmony. So I think about the chakra system, which is that our chakras, we have seven major chakras. They align the spine, correct? Mm -hmm. And so we have the root, the sacral, the solar plexus, the heart, the throat, the third eye, and the crown. And within those seven chakras, we have a lower triangle with the heart in the middle, and then we have the upper triangle. These two triangles come together in the center where the heart is. The heart then creates a field of energy that emanates from the body in sort of this circular motion that comes up and around and it creates almost like a sphere around our body, but it extends out the arc field from the way that I perceive it, it extends out and then sometimes it contracts. So it expands and contracts and it does that based on the vibration and frequency that we are or that is emanating from our systems, from, from how we think, how we feel, what we believe, how our organs are doing, how we've fed ourselves, how we've, how we've hydrated ourselves. It's physical and emotional. And so that's what I think of as energy. And so when someone's body is speaking to me or someone's organ or someone's system is speaking to me, I read the energy through that field and then I listen to what's being said. So some people can see energy. Some people can hear energy. Someone can, some people can sense energy. 
Other people have a knowing, and then some people have all of those, right? And my most established energy, Claire, if you will, is a deep knowing, and it feels very different than my linear thought. So my thoughts, when I'm using my brain, it's as though I have a thought, and then that thought leads me to the next thought, and then I'm thinking and and imagining or, you know, moving something around or debating something or discerning something that's a linear thought. And that's created by my mind based on my consciousness, based on whatever stimuli is coming in or, or firing up from my brain, but my knowing, right. When I'm working with a client, the knowing drops in, there is no forethought thought. And oftentimes there's no post thought, if you will. It's a, it's, it's as though, it's as though it's being played in front of me on a screen. Like for some people who are very open, I see the whole, the whole movie, if you will. Other people, I just have bits and pieces that come at in that then pose specific questions. And all of this is just, I'm just a conduit, right? I'm a conduit for things. And then I use my knowledge of the physiology of the science of, you know, someone's chakras or whatever to deduce how we can go about creating either a protocol or asking better questions or creating new rituals or something like that. And so that's how I kind of combine the two is I work within the chakra system usually, because that's easy for people to understand. Yes. Yeah. If I talk about the solar plexus, you know where that is. Yeah. You know that that involves the digestive organs and that you can understand that because we can picture it, right? Right. Most people know chakras. I mean, that's yeah. quite common now. Yes. And, you know, and if, if they don't, it's a quick Google search, really. Exactly. It's so easy. It's so easy to sort of understand. And that's more the Ayurvedic um, system, isn't it? The, from from India, the chakras. I mean, it's ancient. I would say mm. it's there. It's debatable. If you ask a Chinese person, they're going to say it's from the I Ching. If you ask an Indian person or someone oh, of some continent, they're good. You know, I mean, we don't. Yeah. There's no written in the way that we think of written records. There's no written record of that. I mean, there's te- there's ancient texts that have been passed down, but no one really knows where the information came from. And mm-hmm. where it originates. And I'm certainly not a scholar in that, so I can't really speak to it. But it is of, I would say, Asian from the Asias. Yes, well, yes, Asia. yes. And when you say about science, are you talking about Western science or are you talking about traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic science when you marry the two, when you marry your intuition and you say the science? Or are you, is it a combination of all of it? It's a combination. It's definitely a combination. I mean, when I'm working with people, it's hard to really kind of unpack it very succinctly like that, but there's definitely Western science involved in systems, right? The 12 systems of the body or 13, if you, it depends on who you ask. Um, there's a circadian system. And so there's, I think there's kind of 13, but there's 12 technical ones. And then of course, Chinese medicine talks in terms of seasons and mm. different, um, uh, different they kind of have the four quadrants, don't they? My understanding, the four, qu- the seasons, like the spring, the winter, the summer and spring, winter, summer and, and uh, fall. 
full. Yeah, there's well, there's six technically. There's you know early summer, late summer, and early winter, late winter. So ah. so yeah, so I use a little bit of everything because I use a lot of herbs in my practice, which you know the herb herbal things are both you know Asian. They're mostly Asia. I use some Western herbs as well, but I use both. And then we also use. Um, uh, Western allopathic, like understanding the systems of the body and mm. then using a little bit of Chinese medicine, talking about the elements, talking about, about, you know, nourishing the yin versus, um, nourishing the yang or calming the yang, yang sometimes. So it's, it's a combination of everything because really what we're doing is we're working with the whole body we want and, and dis-ease if you will, is like the, the definition of health is when someone feels whole and I think of dis-ease as when there is something that is disengaged from the whole that makes us feel like something is cast off, something is we don't want to show it, we've pushed it down, or we have like a kink in the hose, if you will. That's another way that I talk about energy work and using channels, working with various channels of the body. And it's it's fascinating because you you I, I can see the channels opening when we do the work sometimes you can feel it or you can see the channels opening and then and then a rush happens and it's almost like an epiphany you know it's, someone can say the right words at the right time or someone can see something written at the right time at the right place or you have a, see a couple of days where you're eating just right and resting just right and interacting just so not really right in the size, in the sense of right or wrong but right in the sense of this is the right thing at the right moment. And then they have a synchronicity or something that, that speaks to them and mm. that changes everything. It's kind of like that line in the sand. Once you see it, once you've drawn it, you can't really go back. You can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. Correct? You can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. Does someone need to be a believer for this to be effective? Uh or do they block it or can they block it? Definitely. We all have, we're sovereign beings. And I believe that we have our own will. We have, we have our own free will. We can't, I don't like to think of it in this, in a sense of blocking. I like to think of it as, as a sense of opening, mm. which sounds a little semantic, but it's like the more open someone is to the investigation, the more they see it's, it's like, imagine blinders. Like if blinders are very close, you don't have the full picture, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have poor vision. It's just sort of like how open your blinders are mm. because there's people that I work with who are mediums and they get messages. And then there are people who have no, no, no abilities opened and they're completely open. And then I have mediums who are quite closed and think that the, only they have the answer. And, and so it just depends on the person, but, but yes, you can actually slow down the process because of what you believe or don't believe or what you allow in or don't allow in, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. So a lot of that sounds like it's very much the mind body connection. And you, when you are helping people, open and you say you know the energy flows so you've helped people like in one thing like you've helped their emotions 
which is then has an effect on their body. Is that right? Would that be right to say? Or you can't, you don't separate the, I mean, we don't separate the two. The two are connected. But is that how you work by helping someone with their emotions and their thinking? Or do you go, I can actually see where or feel for your, in your case, that more kinesthetic, I can feel where there is dis-ease in your body and then you say this is this will be good to think like this or it'll be good to do that so what i do is i hold a vibration so that people can feel things that they may not be able to they may be able to but sometimes they may not be able to so i we do a guided meditation and i hold a vibration that's distinct And I ask, sometimes I ask them questions and other times they can feel it without any question. So this is someone coming to me with a specific symptom or a specific diagnosed condition. So we start there because usually that's what people want to heal and, and perfectly fine. Sometimes that leads us when we heal something, it opens the energy. And sometimes when we open the energy internally, not sometimes always, when we open the energy, energy internally, or we begin to heal internally. It's like, as is above is below as is inside is outside. So as you start to heal and change things internally, it changes your external reality and your vibration that comes off of, or out of your body or is, or is expelled. However you want to think of it, it's matched then universally by a higher vibration of things that you desire if you're actually knowing what you desire and calling those desires in. So it does sort of both. And to go back to your initial question of, do you work with emotions? This is how I see the body. So we work with the chakras and the systems. So I work very distinctly with the nervous system and the endocrine system. Now the nervous system is all the buzz on the internet. Like everything it, is about is, nervous system it? regulation. Disre- yes. Yeah, dysregulated nervous system, how to regulate right. it. It is a right. hot topic at the moment, isn't it? It is quite a hot topic. Mm. And I would love to sort of um, expand on that topic because Please. I truly believe if one is only looking at the nervous system, it's like only looking at the dark. It's only looking at half the equation. All of our systems of the body work in tandem. They're intimately connected and you cannot heal one on its own. You cannot only work on one system by itself. So when you, so when I work with people, especially women, and especially in the women's health sphere, and especially women who are over 40, like between 40 and 60, we're never just working on one system. We generally begin, this is the beginning point for me. We work with the nervous system and the endocrine system together because they're governed by the same gland by the same aspect of the brain, which is the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus sends electrical messages via the nervous system and endocrine messages via the blood. And together they work very much or sometimes not in harmony. So the nervous system works electrical. It's young. It's a very fast because the messages are sent like in seconds, which means it also can be regulated much faster depending mm. on the person because it is that fast because it gets heightened. And then in most people, it is resilient. So it goes up and down. 
In people who have intense trauma or PTSD, it's a little bit different, but you can't just work on the nervous system because the endocrine system, also governed by the hypothalamus, the endocrine system sends messages more slowly, takes longer to regulate, but stays regulated sort of better for a longer amount of time. The nervous system can, it's so resilient because of it, of, of course it's electric. It gets dis, it kind of dysregulated much easier than the endocrine system. So when you work with both of those together, you're worth working with both the yang and the yin energy, especially in women. And at this stage in life, nourishing the yin is what helps to balance the yang. Right. Okay. So if your endocrine system is out of balance, well, then that's going to affect your, your nervous system. So there's, exactly. so what would, what you're looking for there is actually the root cause. What, what's behind it? What's behind it? What's behind it? That's what I love about this type of work is your, it's a discovery. It's always looking for that because as we know with allopathic, it's more compartmentalized. Oh, your endocrine system isn't working, so we're just going to look at that or we're just going to look at this organ. But the correlation and the relationship between them isn't investigated, which brings me to my next question is, are your clients mainly women who have traveled like a long road and are feeling you know, a little lost or overwhelmed or, you know, unheard because they've got symptoms that the diagnostic testing just isn't finding. But they know that it's not just in their head. They know something's wrong, but you're presented with the test and they go, we can't find anything. I find that there's a lot of women or a lot of people in general who have this and it can't always be it's just in your head. And I am a firm believer that that's not a good enough answer. That tells me you don't know. You don't know what it is. You don't know how to look for it because there's always an answer when you do discovery. Can you, is, is that the type of client you find that mainly is coming to you? I would say my clients range in three different sort of categories, if you will. So that is certainly one of the categories <clears throat> and it's an important category. And I think it's changing a lot because I think doctors are starting to see that, well, the world is getting sicker, unfortunately. Uh, and, and the medical profession is starting to realize, I believe that the, the method that they've been taught doesn't actually work for the vast amount of people. And I reckon, you know, I'm not here to bash the pharmaceutical industry. It is, it is in fact an industry and I, you know, I'm American. And so I, I, I speak of the pharmaceutical industry because we have several big industries that kind of rule really the politics and a lot of what happens in America. And I, I'm unfortunately not as educated about Australia as I probably should be it's the same. considering, considering I work with a lot of Australian women. But, but I would imagine it's not that, that much different. No. What's interesting is that there's this new branch of medicine called functional medicine and functional medicine claims to get to the root cause. But unfortunately, it is still a very systematized way of diagnosing and then, and then giving women or giving people a protocol of several 
sometimes a dozen supplements. And it's sort of still geared towards this getting to the cause and then prescribing something, right? And I find that that's where we fail is that it's not A plus B equals C. There is always, in my experience, an emotional or spiritual component to the physical body. That's why I work within the chakra system because the chakra system works with the systems. It works with nerve plexes, right? Because nerves have feeling. We feel through our nerves. We don't, we don't actually perceive pain in the brain. We perceive it in with nerves, right? Mm. And then um, the emotions are actually trapped or felt within the body. We don't create emotions in our head. We think thoughts or we, we perceive a situation and then, or we receive a situation and then we create perceptions. The perceptions are what create the messages and the nerve endings and the things that are going through the body that then create the emotion. The emotion is from the body, not Mm. from the mind. I see mental health and emotional health as two separate things, but we'll get to that. So to answer your question, I have that group of women who's been to doctor after doctor after doctor and isn't getting better and is spending massive amounts of money. Um, Then I have a group of women who are like high level entrepreneurial women who know that having a psychic and someone who keeps their physical body at a level that's performing at a really high level Mm. and also getting intuitive guidance or psychic guidance is of supreme importance moving forward. And then I have sort of the chronic, like someone who has been to everyone and is sicker and sicker. And then I work with those people too, because there is generally with that group. And again, I'm really generalizing here, but there's, because everyone's unique Mm. and special, but there's a group of people who tend to have intense trauma in their, in their past. And at the same time are quite gifted and it's marrying the two it's understanding the trauma and why it happened and how to navigate. We never heal trauma. We only make ourselves stronger so that we can hold the duality of this happened. And yet I want to move past it. And yet I want to see it a different way. And yet I realize it happened for my greatest good. It's Mm. the duality of the human experience. Absolutely. We have the lowest and we have the highest. And how do we hold those two things at the same time? So it's kind of a a mix of, of different types of people really all needing. They're on different paths, if you will. And they're all kind of navigating a different landscape. And so that's kind of, if I had to kind of put it together, those are the three types that come to me. Brilliant. Can we circle back to what you were saying, the difference, you said there's that difference between um, mental health and the emotional health and what that means for you. So I think of mental health as a, the mental component, meaning how is your brain functioning? Our brains are here to keep us alive. Mm. And our brains are connected to various parts of our body that give it clues and cues. One example is the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the biggest nerve in the body. The sciatic nerve is the longest nerve in the body. Can you just explain <laughs> for our listeners what is and where is the vagus nerve? 
The vagus nerve is, it goes down the neck. It's sort of branched in two and it's right above the diaphragm. It's connected to the digestive system. It's why the brain is often called the second gut. So someone who has gut issues will always have brain issues. Mm. And usually someone with a mental health component has a gut health component. And the two are intimately connected. You cannot work on one and not work on the other. This is, of course, my opinion. This is just how I work. I know that there are people out there who will not agree with this, but this is how I see it. Uh So the diaphragm is another example of when we are nervous or scared or stressed, we hold our breath. When we hold our breath, we are not massaging the organs below, and that will create a specific effect in the brain with the hypothalamus pituitary pineal gland, this, this triangle that speak very intimately together and send all kinds of messages all over the body. So when we are working with mental health and emotional health, we're working in some quadrant of that. We're working with how we perceive things. So emotional health is how we perceive things. Mental health is actually how the the brain is physically functioning in relation to the breath and to the gut or digestion. Right. So it's very different to someone saying, um, I'm feeling emotional fragile or I I feel I have depression or anxiety. I'm going to go see a psychologist. They're working more with, do you believe the mental side of the brain or the emotional? So is there a distinction there on how that approach is compared to yours or? I would say, okay, so psychology and psychiatry are two different segments. At least mm. they are in America. So I'm, I'm speaking to the American sort They of are system. here too. They are here. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So in America, we have psychologists and they are very much trained to deal with the emotional situation of a person. What they're trying to do is they're trying to assess what is happening is it really happening? And how do you feel about it? Mm. Now, I'm not a trained psychologist. This is just my observation. So (laughs) here we are. A psychiatrist is more of a medical doctor in that they diagnose psychiatric conditions, but those conditions aren't always measurable on blood work. They are, it's a lot of symptom management. Mm. And they do a lot of symptom management through the through the um, prescribing of medications. Psychologists don't do that. So from my perspective, what a psychiatrist does is they deal more with the functioning of the brain and how it relates to how the body is functioning. Mm. Whereas a psych- psychologist deals more with the emotional component, which is which they think also works within the brain because they've studied the brain. But I don't actually think that heals the brain. I think it just works with how someone perceives something and can we see it a different way? And when I work with people, Mm. I work with both how their brain and gut function, but what really moves the needle quickly is we are both the receiver and the perceiver of our reality. So I didn't coin that phrase. My mentor, Joanna Hunter, um, coins that phrase, the receiver and perceiver. And it's brilliant. I've used it so many times. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So we receive 
information and stimuli all the time. You know, it's time to wake up. Your alarm clock goes off. Your husband's there. Your wife is laying next to you. We receive a lot of stimuli. Now, over time, we create perceptions based on conditioning or beliefs or how we felt in that moment when that thing happened. It's our perceptions that make things happen within our body and create emotions. It's not actually what's going on outside of us. We can be so centered internally that we could be sitting in a prison with not anything beautiful around us. But if you can use the faculties that you've been given as a human being, meaning your imagination and the regulation of breath and the belief and the trust, which are all very hard to access. As I make this sound like it's a very simple, it's not easy at all. But we, we actually can be more invested in our internal environment and less invested in our external validation or external stimuli. Now, as a human being, we love the things that are comfortable. We love being touched beautifully. We Absolutely. love being admired. We love abundance. All of those things are wonderful, but they're actually not essential. Mm. What's essential is how we perceive our reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes to my next question of you talk about um, having energy and vitality for the rest, you know, after they've been working with you to have vitality and energy for the rest of their life. So are these, are these some of the outcomes that someone can expect from coming to see you? Like they've, they've not feeling well, they've, they've gone around the trap, they're just not getting anywhere. And these are the kind of outcomes that someone, what can they expect? Here's the thing, Rita. I, I am constantly blown away, blown away by the brilliance of the human body and mm. how a woman, when she changes some of her core perceptions and core beliefs to something that serves her life, when she fuels her body with beautiful food, people who surrounding herself with people who love her and who build her up, right? Mm. Meaning they're not tearing her down. They don't necessarily need to be complimenting, but they, where there's this relationship of giving and receiving always, right? So when that happens, it creates a different internal environment. That internal environment then vibrates a different frequency outside, which makes her more magnetic. Mm. Meaning you could walk by another human being on the street and your arc field is so expanded and the thoughts you're thinking, your vibration is so high or so connected or so tuned in, however you want to describe it, that your mere presence of your arc field interacts with another's arc field. And the idea that you've done and how you've healed yourself pops into that person's head. That's how powerful we, as, we are as human beings. So when I say something as trivial on my website or wherever as vitality and energy, what I actually mean is when we heal ourselves and when our vibration and frequency is such that we are emanating something powerfully from our own selves and think about a hundred women doing that, how much space and what the vibration would be as it came out of all of these women. We're changing lives of all the, it's a ripple effect so, yes, in the yeah. most powerful way. So Yes, the women I work with, they tend to look like they've 
aged backwards. They tend to, to have more energy than most women their ages and, the, and their blood work shows it and mir- miraculous things happen. But they also go from like, I haven't had an orgasm in five years to I'm having multiple orgasms a week. Like things that we don't even plan on working on, these things start to happen because of course their frequency is different. Mm. So that they end up operating or they start operating on a higher, what we call higher frequency. And if people don't quite understand what that frequency is, if I can just give you my understanding of it in very simple terms for the listeners is if you walk into a room and people light up or if you repel people or people are drawn to your energy, that's the type of frequency that you're operating on like a higher frequency you know people want to be around you you know you light up people's lives you your eyes shine is that what we're talking about is that in the simplest terms like so people could understand like a a physical representation of what you're saying is that kind of thing Definitely. As long as we're not talking personality. So I like to even, Mm. I like to elaborate even more and say, are you someone that dogs are, are you, are dogs attracted to you? Are young children attracted to you? Do you tend to find that bees and butterflies fly very close that they circle you all the time? Things like that. That's a more telling vibrational frequency in my opinion than necessarily, although you're definition is is true also it's just sometimes people's personalities can do that which is different than someone's energy we can have a bubbly personality that people love to be around and then when you go home you're you're not that person right you're the real you which is i feel horrible about my hips and i wish i were five inches taller and how come i don't have a huge diamond on my ring but to the rest of the world you look happy and healthy and everything's wonderful does that make sense? Yeah, you know it makes like the sense, difference between definitely. personality and energy. So I yeah. just wanted to make that distinction for absolutely. I, I can appreciate that. What, what are some of the myths that you've had to deal with about your approach to helping people with their health, if there are any that you've dealt with? Totally. Um, some of the myths are it takes a long time to heal something. I don't that's just not been the case. And in my experience, women all the time, in fact, a woman in my free Facebook group just wrote a testimonial saying, I did an hour session, boxer session with Michelle. And it's like, we moved so much energy. I I'm good for the month. Like it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot and it happens faster. The, the, it's like the law of incrementals and the law of momentum. When you first start learning a language, you start with like the simplest words and it's effortful because you don't know any of it. So you have to practice each word over and over because nothing is easily come rolling off your tongue. But then once you learn 25 words, you can create a sentence and you can say that sentence. And the more you say that sentence, the more it rolls off your tongue. And then you're creating the law of momentum. The same is true with the body. We There are p- certain parts of the body where the cells only live three to five days. So as soon as we change, as soon as we start really targeting you know, what you're eating, how you're combining your foods and how big your eating window is during the day, if we can get that really on point, which I'm particularly very good at, then within seven days, you can start to feel like a different person because that's how fast 
the human body, we're mammals. We're meant to heal ourselves. And so exactly, exactly. if we allow ourselves to heal ourselves, right, it actually happens quickly. And the law of momentum, which again, these are universal laws. I didn't make this up, is that increments, the more you do, the more energy gets built up, the faster it moves. Mm. So that's been kind of, to answer your question, that's one of the big myths is that it takes a long time. And another myth is that you know, um, I have to go to a specialist to get a diagnosis to understand what's going on. I mean, you can gather a bunch of labels or you can just tuck in and do the inner work and just mm. not really associate with the labels. That's right. that's sort of my belief in terms of that's one of the myths or one of the things, the pillars, I guess, that I sort of talk about often. Great. What's your why? What's your why for doing this work? Like, why? My why has evolved over time. It initially began because I had a crazy health crisis, and then I had a near-death experience birthing oh. my first son. And that's actually when my abilities were opened up. And my why has developed from uh, showing women what's possible and what's available to them to actually wanting to change the trajectory of women's health and for women to actually see and feel and experience so that we can get out of this universal kind of victim mentality of, well, this is my genetics and there's nothing I can do about it. Or I was, you know, people like me don't look like that or people that come from my kind of family don't have this kind of life. And like, I just want women to really me included, to really have a bigger, expansive, more magnetic existence. Because I think we are really moving into, in terms of universal energy, we're moving out of a very masculine dominated, like wounded masculine dominated society. We're moving into a more feminine society, but we, I want it to be a divine feminine and not a wounded feminine. So I really mm. believe that part of the escalation of this is really women learning to feel empowered and beautiful in their bodies at every age. Like let's get out of this youth culture yeah. of where youth and thin, like let's starve ourselves. Let's shrink our existence, which also shrinks our 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 auric field in order to look like some ideal that is impossible to begin with and quite boring if you ask me and i very mean I can, one dimensional the very one dimensional so my why has evolved over time but i think that's my most current why is that we're we're here for bigger things yeah. we're being called right now for much bigger things than what we're actually believing and allowing for ourselves so that's really my why well, I definitely love your why. <laughs> and just to finish off, are there three three tips that you can give to women at home to help them to start listening to their body, like listening to what their body's saying to them, telling them what they're what they're feeling? Definitely. So women have become very good doers. And in the doing, we've lost the quiet. 
We've lost the quiet, which happens within the flow. So I talk about nurturing the yin a lot. And one of the things that nurtures yin is sleep. And so that's a passive adventure. Mm. But an active adventure is to allow yourself to be quiet with yourself. So turn off the podcast, put the phones down, take off the headphones and find quiet contemplation within yourself. And I recognize that's probably going to get a lot of eye rolls, but if you can learn to really enjoy your quiet, you can learn to tap into your inner core channel. So that's number one is the, with the goal of learning to tap into your inner core channel, this is the channel that runs through the center of your seven major chakras. The way to do that Mm. in a more accelerated way is to really, really tap into the light cycles of the sun. So early morning sunlight, there is a wavelength of early morning sun, like right around sunrise. So the first, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, the sun is coming up. So the first like 20 minutes, it's pitch dark and you're just getting a little bit of light. And then that next like 60 to 70 minutes after that first 20, you're getting a a particular stream of of light, a wavelength that's red orange. Mm. And that particular light taps into the pineal through your eyes. So you can't wear glasses or contacts or sunscreen or sun hats. It needs to be bare eyes, not staring at the sun, but looking east and allowing that light to, to penetrate the eyes. Because of course our eyes are an external aspect of the brain. So the more that light goes in your eyes, the more that light is informing and activating your third eye chakra, which is going to help you connect in with your inner core channel. It's also going to balance your circadian system. It's going to help you get better sleep. It's going to help your digestion. It's going to help elimination and it will connect you to your inner knower or your intuitive, your intuitive gifts, if you will. Fantastic. Yeah. That's the second thing. And then the the very Uh, last thing I would say is uh, hydration like it's such a small thing. Most women do not drink enough water and get enough minerals. Minerals are cofactors for hundreds of downstream, important, essential aspects of the female body. So a lot of times when a woman's like, oh, I need more hormone replacement, or I need more adaptogens, actually what she probably needs is more sodium, magnesium, and some Mm. of the trace minerals that are are present um, most people sort of focus on the macro don't they the macro Mm -hmm. being like the vitamins and and that type of thing but the micro is most of the time kind of overlooked and that if my understanding is the minerals you know because the minerals help your electrical system they help everything everything yeah so that's so that's the part of listening to your body which is great what is what can you just quickly say to women that when they're feeling a symptom not to just take a headache tablet or to take a pharmaceutical or to take something to to numb it but just to sit with it and be curious and aware of it and then you know do something about it like coming to see you how can they how can they learn to listen better 
That's the, I mean, you said it perfectly, I think, is, is truly sitting with it, asking some open-ended questions. Isn't this interesting? My head is hurting right now. I wonder yeah. what this is about. And then you just listen for the guidance. Like very often we are given the guidance that when we ask the open-ended question, we're inviting, we are inviting source into us and allowing ourselves to be guided by divine guidance. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to then collect data. So if you have something, for example, migraines, I work with so many women with migraines and it's different for, you know, there's classifications, but it's, it's, there's class, a couple classifications, but it's different for everybody. And so what I tell women is like, check those basic things. Those those three things I just yeah. said earlier. And then the next thing is like, collect the data, track them during the month. Do you have them around ovulation or around, you know, right before you, you menstruate? If you're postmenopausal or your periods are irregular, track them with the moon. Are you having them around the full moon and the new moon? Or is it or is there no correlation? Because that's going to give you information, or it's certainly going to give me information. And we go from there. So really asking open-ended questions. So that's the yin thing to do is to just go within and be within. And the yang then, right? Like the action is to collect the data and then, you know, be curious. Mm. Like, I wonder, I wonder how often this really happens. Cause sometimes we only have two headaches a month, but they're really bad. Other times we might have 10 dull headaches, but we don't even notice it because we're used to being in pain. So really track your symptoms. When are they happening? What's the severity? And can you, is there any divine guidance that's come through as to what you might, what you think it might be? And then we go from there. Well, my takeaway from that is learn to be still and curious and don't numb ourselves. Yeah. So, Michelle, thank you so, so much for educating our listeners about what you do and providing them with another possibility to heal. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. And if anyone wants to connect with Michelle, all her details will be in the show notes. So please go check that out and do yourself a favour and your body a favour and book in with Michelle. Thank you, Michelle, for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I would love to know what was the biggest insight or aha moment you got from this interview so you can now speak up, take action and make informed decisions for your health. And if you like this episode, get instant access to your free ebook, Alternative Wisdom, Taking Back Control of Your Health at life-onus.com. Dot com.